In a world consumed with busyness, noise, and anxiety, the Christian ashram movement provides a group discipline focused on the kingdom of God, self-surrender, the word become flesh, and the proclamation of Jesus is Lord. Join us on this first season of the Christian Ashram International Podcast as we meet women and men from around the world who serve as leaders in this movement. Well, welcome to the Christian Ashram Podcast. This is Matt Henson, your host, and it's great to have you back with us here on the podcast. Today, as we continue in Season 1, we're continuing to talk about the voices uh, of the Christian Ashram, and we're we're pleased to have Doug Ruffel uh, with us, and, and Doug wrote a, a book, A Missionary Mindset, uh, What Church Leaders Need to Know to Reach Their Community lessons from E. Stanley Jones. And um, so we're glad to have uh, Doug with us. Doug's also been involved in the Christian Ashram Ministry, which we'll talk a little bit about um, some recent experiences that you've had. But Doug, it's great to have you uh, on the podcast today. Thanks a lot, Matt. I appreciate being here. So as we um, have been looking at uh, this season and the voices of the Christian Ashram, one of the questions that we've commonly asked is, how did you become introduced to um, E. Stanley Jones and to the Christian Ashram movement? I was uh, aware of E. Stanley Jones as a youth, a young adult. Um, I remember vividly reading the obituary that appeared in Time magazine, and it, it, it resonated with me uh, for some reason. I hadn't yet read any of his books. It wasn't until I went to Argentina as a missionary uh, to serve churches and to serve as a chaplain in schools that I came across the writings of Stanley Jones. I was the pastor of a church that was Spanish-speaking but only 10 years prior to my coming had been a church that had at least one service in English. Historically, it went all the way back into the 1800s when English were building the railroads in Argentina, and they had a church. It was the first Methodist church of Rosario, Argentina, and they still had a library adjacent to the sanctuary, and there I found books written by Stanley Jones. And I picked one up. And I've, after reading that, I picked another up and another and another. I started with The Christ of the Indian Road. And I remember saying to myself, oh, my goodness, this could be written today. Mm-hmm. It seemed to jump off the page and be real, even though it was written in 1925, I was reading it in 1982, and it seemed as real to me then as it was as if it were written just months prior. And so that's where you were introduced to his writings, and um, you know, you you continued there in ministry in Argentina, and and you and I were talking earlier. You you had an opportunity. Um, to kind of participate in a Christian ashram. Tell me a little bit about what happened, I believe it was there in Rosario. In Rosario, it was maybe a year or a year and a half after I had been introduced to the writings of E. Stanley Jones that Bishop James Matthews came to visit Rosario, and he conducted a one-day ashram. I served as his interpreter since I was fluent English and Spanish, Uh, So that whole day, I stood right next to Bishop Matthews 
and um, interpreted his words in English from English into Spanish. And um, it was a wonderful experience. It included elements of the ashram in an abbreviated format, starting with open hearts, having Bible passage, having an evangelist part, um, concluding with the overflowing heart. It was a wonderful experience for me. I uh, always thought it was a privilege to have been to have served as his interpreter, mm-hmm. and I started actually when I returned to the United States after my missionary ministry. I um, became part of the mailing list of um, the United Christian Ashram uh, literature um, by virtue of the fact that I had served as uh, an interpreter. Okay, and so. So you, you, you've kind of had this continual relationship and knowledge of the Christian ashram and uh, even had a little bit of an ongoing relationship with uh, Bishop Matthews and that sort of thing while you were at the General Board of Global Ministry. Yes, I served, um, you know, I served first of all at church after I came back from Argentina, and then about eight years later was asked to become uh, a part of the Latin America Caribbean team for Global Ministry since... I had had experience in that area serving in Argentina, so I became responsible as the representative of the United Methodist Church to the Methodist churches of Chile, Argentina, Bolivia, and Uruguay. And there was a strange phenomenon of a college in Santiago, Chile, that was registered in the state of New York. And Bishop Matthews was the chair of the board. And by virtue of my position at Global Ministries, I was an ex officio a member. And so I would take the train down from New York. I get picked up. I went to Ann Matthews Eunice's house. And there Bishop Matthews would preside over a meeting of the Santiago College Board um, and we would make decisions about uh, the board. It, it, it took me a while to figure out why was there a board in New York for a college in Santiago, but it has served its purpose well over the years. So, you know, because of this ongoing relationship, because of this knowledge, um, in somewhere, well, in 2016, you wrote the book, A Missionary Mindset. Uh, I recognize with writing a book, you didn't just sit down in 2016 and write that book. And so what... What caused you to want to write this book um, about lessons from E. Stanley Jones? For a number of years, I had been um, playing in my mind that what we need in the United States, given the, the secularization in our country, given the diminishment of Christianity in our country— that I was playing with this idea, well, what we need is more of a missionary mindset to go into an area of the country where there are a lot of people who haven't heard the stories of Jesus, that haven't grown up learning the 23rd Psalm or being able to recite the Lord's Prayer. We need to have a mindset almost as if we were a missionary serving in a foreign land, introducing the tenets of Christianity all over again. And we needed to draw from those missionaries that made a positive impact in their own lifetimes. 
And I couldn't think of one better suited mm -hmm. than E. Stanley Jones. And so when you think about this book, there's some, you know, there's some major premises to it. There's some main points to it. And, and one of the things that you know, I wonder is, how do you see E. Stanley Jones's practical theology and his Christian ashram format proclaiming the kingdom of God um, in the disentangled Christ to people around the world? But again, how do we apply that in the United States today? First of all, Stanley Jones emphasized um, the disentangled Christ or the unfettered Christ, um, where he just wanted to focus on Jesus. He wanted to remove Jesus from denominationalism, from the particularities of different kinds of theologies. And he wanted to present Jesus, just Jesus, into the mission field. I think that that uh, makes a lot of sense today as we are dealing with a very diverse population and people who come from various religious traditions and people who have no religious tradition whatsoever. And so to bring Jesus first and foremost into the conversation makes a lot of sense for people to first of all latch on to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because as Stanley Jones mentioned, when you know Jesus, you know God. Mm -hmm. And that is our gateway and our introduction into a life with God. And, and with that, you know, we, we have um, this emphasis that we place in the Christian ashram movement upon the kingdom of God. And, and, and I know that you work uh, along with New Church Start Ministry and that sort of thing. How do you see the, the ministry of East Stanley Jones being applied in the beginning of new faith communities? Um, how do you see it applied to the revitalization of existing faith communities? I took a look at the values that stood behind what Stanley Jones did as a missionary. The fact that he was in a context very different from the one in which he grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. He was in a context that included Muslims, Sikhs, Hindus, Buddhists, and what he called skeptics. We today might call people who don't have any religious tradition at all. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he had a situation where he wanted to listen to them. So one of those values is listening. And by listening, he was valuing their humanity. He cared for them. He took the love of Jesus that he had in his heart, and he loved the people with whom he was in contact. So those values of love, of listening, of humility— are the values that I thought are still very valid today. And so I built the book around those values. I had chapter headings that had to do with praying, listening, humility, um, and they're all taken from the values that E. Stanley Jones had when he was in India and ministering among the people in that country. You know, and his, his listening was uh, not just listening to to the people and what their needs were, but he, he would talk about the inner voice uh, that was speaking to him and his, his willingness to listen as God directed him and the Holy Spirit led him uh, in his life. Absolutely. I hope you're enjoying the interview. I want to take a moment to tell you about a wonderful opportunity. 
we want you to join us on a spiritual pilgrimage to the place that gave birth to the Christian ashram movement and experience the majestic beauty and splendid cultures of India. The United Christian Ashram International Board is hosting a trip to India September 23rd through October 11th, 2020. We'll spend time during our first week traveling to many of the beautiful tourist spots in Delhi, Agra, and Jaipur. We'll go to places like the India Gate, Mahatma Gandhi Memorial, and the Taj Mahal. Then we'll travel up the mountain to Satal, where we will participate in the Winter Christian Ashram with brothers and sisters from India. The cost for the trip will be $2,200 to $3,000 per person, plus flight. The price really depends on the number of participants. The cost includes lodging, food, and transportation in India. If you're interested in learning more about this trip, please contact me, matt at livingtheadventure.net, or give me a call, 618-830-6670. Let's go back to our interview. So uh, in September, uh, you had the opportunity uh, to travel back to Argentina. But that actually, that trip came out of a, a trip a couple of years before that when you went to talk about the missionary mindset. Um, so you, you had gone, was it in 2016, to Argentina, and you spoke to the annual conference. Um, and tell me about the response that you got from just going down and presenting this book and the, the lessons from East Stanley Jones. Um, yes. Uh, I've had a, a long relationship with the Methodist Church of Argentina that stems from my days as a missionary and continued when I was the area secretary in charge of the southern cone countries of Latin America, and then continued on through invitations to do workshops and evangelization. So those, those relationships were longstanding. And so when I mentioned that I had written this book, um, I was encouraged to come to Argentina by the bishop, and he organized a meeting of all of his superintendents, lay leaders from around the country, and we had a forum in which I was able to share about Stanley Jones and about the content of the book, A Missionary Mindset. And there was a great deal of resonance on the part of the people as to what uh, these values that we talked about, and humility, and listening, and the kingdom of God and trusting God, these kinds of things. So when uh, we finished that uh, forum, the bishop urged me to try to find the ways in which the book could be translated into Spanish and made available to people in Argentina and other Spanish-language countries in Latin America and also in the United States. And that project took uh, from that time a couple of years and in 2018, it was published in Spanish. And uh, so I had an opportunity also to speak before the United Christian Ashram Board. And Tom Albin invited me and said, hey, I know you're writing this book. Could you share something with us? And I, I shared with them the very rough, raw draft of the first chapter of the book that had to do with E. Stanley Jones. And... I got a good response, and one of the participants said, gee, with your relationship with Latin America, wouldn't it be great if somehow we could reintroduce ashrams into Latin America once again? And so that was the seed that 
kind of germinated over the years and with the translation and the publication of the book and led to an invitation by the current bishop of Argentina to come and lead two ashrams, one in the city of Mendoza, which is at the foot of the Andes Mountains that separates Chile from Argentina, and the other one in a city of Patagonia, the southernmost part of Argentina. Pastors and laity came from churches all over those regions, and we spent time together in an ashram-like retreat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, and I remember when you came that first time to the United Christian Ashram board meeting and, and shared with us this this book that you were working on. It was exciting uh, to be a part of what was getting ready to happen, and I remember you coming back and sharing with us it was published, and it's been a great uh, experience of just seeing how that's continued to grow uh, over time, and then to have this invitation uh, to come to Argentina. And and when when we began to talk about that this year, and the International Committee took this under uh, advisement, and we were excited. Uh, to see this possibility, and are looking at um, a multi-year plan to try to to continue to restart uh, the the Christian ashram. So you had pastors and some lay people who came. Tell me a little bit about how did they receive the Christian ashram um, there in in those two locations in Patagonia and Mendoza. Um, what? What was the the feedback that you received? And and maybe tell a story or two of of experiences of the ashramites who were there. Sure, absolutely. First of all, what I think they realized is that the most sophisticated part of an ashram is its name. (laughs) Okay. The fact that it comes from Sanskrit, and it means time away from work. The rest of the ashram is so simple in its design in its approach, the fact that we come together, that we put aside our divisions, that we come together to focus on Jesus, to try to live out the kingdom of God in miniature for the time that we're together, that we open our hearts to God and to one another, that we have time in small groups where we can share and learn from one another, that we hear content from Bible study, that we work together on a project that we recreate together. And there were times when those in Argentina were playing volleyball and having a great time during our time of recreation. And so, and then of course, the the time of a healing service Mm -hmm. and the time of overflowing hearts. And I would say that um, what, what impressed me was the willingness, the resonance of the people to come forward, to open their hearts to one another. Argentina is going through some difficult times right now. And in the churches, that's reflected too with hardships, economic hardships. Mm -hmm. But these people came together to open their hearts up to God and to share with one another what was going on and what they needed from God. And the amount of people that responded in overflowing hearts was, I think we counted And I wasn't paying attention, but fortunately, another member of the ashram board was there, John Davis, and Mm -hmm. he said every single person except one came up to share about overflowing hearts. People's needs were met during the ashram experience. They came away from that saying, how can we bring this to our local church? How can we have more of these kinds of experiences? 
It meets our needs. It's simple. It's a format that people can grasp easily. Let's do more of this. Now, was this a, how many days were each of these ashrams? The one in Mendoza started early on a Saturday morning and then continued on into Sunday late afternoon. So it was an overnight, approximately two days. Uh, In Patagonia, the distances are huge. Some people had to drive more than 10 hours to get to the ashram. They made a great sacrifice of time and effort and the cost of driving in order to be present. And so we had to shorten it a little bit. Again, it started Saturday morning, more like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then we ended the following morning, again, around 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, so that they would have enough time during daylight hours to return back to their homes. It was winter in Argentina at the time. And so sometimes people had to contend with snow or ice on the roads. And so we wanted to be sure that people could return back home during daylight hours. Yeah. You mentioned that one of the things about the Christian ashram model, the schedule, is it's simple. Can you speak a little bit more to how you see that need for simplicity and the complexity of the world in which we live today? Absolutely. The fact that, we're first of all, we're living in a world that's in tension with itself. Uh, we've experienced that here in the United States. It's also true in other parts of the world. Um, there are divisions that divide, that divide us politically, mm-hmm. uh, ideologically, theologically. The fact that we can come together and say, hey, Let's put those divisions aside for a time. Let's focus together on Jesus. That simplicity helps, first of all, to try to remove the obstacles that can be in front of us as we intend to communicate with one another. The simplicity of just hearing the Bible, reflecting on it, praying together, worshiping together singing together. These are all things that we're familiar with, and it's structured in such a way that we can all enjoy it together. Uh, And the fact that men and women are together, Mm -hmm. families can be together, that we can experience all of this uh, together as wonderful time apart from our work, wonderful time together forming community, reflecting the essence of the kingdom of God. So we had the two um, Christian ashrams in Argentina in September, and if I understand correctly, the plan is, uh, as the International Committee and you are working together, uh, that we would have two more locations uh, in May of 2020. So can you tell us a little bit about that exciting opportunity, uh, but also share with us uh, maybe some plans about how to continue that which was started in uh, Mendoza and Patagonia? John Davis and I, John being from the board, uh, met with Bishop uh, Americo Jara, uh, who attended the first ashram in Mendoza, and also with his program secretary, Ariel Fernandez, Uh, just after the first um, ashram and before the second one. We had a chance to debrief from it, 
the bishop who had been present totally resonated with the ashram, immediately started talking to us about coming back to lead two other ashrams, this time in areas of the country where the church is stronger, uh, where there are more churches present, where we can draw upon our relationships with ecumenical partners, and those cities are Cordoba and Rosario. And so we intend to go back next May 2020, first to Cordoba, and have a full weekend retreat. The bishop, having experienced it, said, we were, it was too short. We need to lengthen this. Let's start on a Friday evening, and let's not end until Sunday. And I think we can do that better in these cities. So we're planning on having a, an ashram that starts Friday evening and concludes around noon on Sunday in both places. And part of the whole plan is to identify leaders from the churches in Argentina uh, and try to form a group of 12 who could carry on the work of ashrams so that eventually it will have a life of its own and a leadership of its own and will not depend on people like me coming from the outside to lead ashrams. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that we're excited about from the International Committee side is that as we begin to look around the world at restarting Christian ashrams where they have been before, um, how, how do we really quickly be able to turn it back over to um, the people of the country to help them, you know, and encourage them, but not be dependent upon us coming in to do the leadership. And with these two in May, um, we're also looking, if I remember correctly, about maybe bringing in some other countries that are surrounding there to begin to try to replant in some of those as well. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we want to extend invitations to um, sister churches in Chile, in Paraguay and Uruguay especially. Uh, if possible, even beyond that, we have relationships with churches in Peru and Bolivia as well, with the idea that if at least a few representatives from each of these countries could come and be present, experience the ashram as well, then they would be the seeds to plant ashrams in their respective countries. So we want to open it up to our ecumenical partners, and we want to open it up to our neighboring countries as well. Good. And, you know, exciting thing is uh, this reintroduces the Christian ashram not only to, to Argentina, but to South America. Um, you know, and so now we'll have uh, Christian ashrams in North America and South America and Asia uh, with uh, the ashrams at Satal in India, Japan. Um, I believe there's still one in Philippines. Uh, we're looking to start one in Africa. Uh, we've become familiar that there may be still one going on in Sweden. So we're we're seeing that spreading out uh, of the Christian ashram, and I'm excited uh, that we're seeing that expansion uh, of the ministry. I believe that you are um, coming on board uh, to the board of directors uh, of the United Christian Ashram uh, International, and so we're excited that you'll be uh, a part of our board. And, and just share with me, just r real quick here, what is your vision? What, what do you see? Um, see, people have said the Christian ashram and East Stanley Jones' ministry is— very much a, a ministry that fits into the 21st century context. You mentioned that at the beginning. How do you see that playing out in the midst of the struggles that are going on around the world, uh, the, within our own nation? Um, how is the Christian ashram positioned and continuing to position itself to be a ministry that can be a part of um, the, the experience of Jesus Christ uh, for people, 
uh, connecting people to Jesus, reconnecting people to Jesus. How do you see the Christian ashram? What's your vision, do you believe, for the next five to ten years? I believe that the ashram affords a great opportunity for people who are Christian and who have friend friends that may not be sure yet, what we might call skeptics in our day or people who are nuns and duns. They're done with the church or they've been in the church and they're no longer there. I think it's, an, it's a forum where it's a safe place for people who are still questioning and that can come together and experience Christian community, Bible readings, um, small groups. And so in that sense, it can be a gateway into the Christian faith, into a personal relationship with Jesus through the Christian ashram experience. I think it's got a wonderful role in that sense, an evangelistic role in that sense. As far as my vision is concerned, I would love to see ashrams continue to expand all over Latin America. And not only in Latin America, if you take the United States as a, as a country with Spanish speakers, we would be the fourth or fifth largest country of Spanish speakers in the world. So there is a huge mission field right here in the United States among Hispanic Latinos. And if we could introduce, because I don't believe that there have been ashrams in the United States in the Spanish language. And so I, I, would, I would envision as well that over the years to come that we could introduce Spanish language ashrams in the United States and within the Hispanic Latino community, which also may prefer to speak English because second, third, fourth generation Hispanic Latinos uh, operate better in English than they do in Spanish, but they still identify themselves as Latinos. So that's another part of the vision that I would like okay. to see fulfilled. That's exciting. That's what we're, you know, we continue to look for, and that's part of this podcast is we're just continuing to say what is the story, the experience, and where are we seeing uh, we're headed. And so I appreciate uh, your time that you've uh, shared with us um, today. And before we wrap up this interview, um, is there anything else that you, you just wanted to make sure you mentioned um, from your experience in Argentina or something that's been an experience of yours uh, with East Stanley Jones's ministry? Uh, just give you an opportunity to do that. I think that the thing that I come away with most from the writings of Stanley Jones is the centrality of Jesus' teaching and preaching on the kingdom of God. Mm. That, to me, is something that needs to be lifted up once again throughout our ministries and wherever we go to tell the story of Jesus that Jesus and the kingdom are almost synonymous, that we all seek order in this world. We all seek a way to live peacefully with one another, and we all seek a leader, and we have those. The order is the kingdom of God. The leader is Jesus Christ. And if we can wrap ourselves around that in our ministries, I think we'll be doing well. And I said we were getting ready to get done, but you just said something, and it brought up a quote that I wanted to share out of your book and give you just a second to, to comment on this. You said, I became acutely aware of the systemic sin present in human attempts to order life. And you just mentioned the kingdom of God and the order. Real quick, tell me how you see this systemic sin 
that we try to order our lives by ourselves over against the kingdom of God's uh, ordering of our life. Can you flesh that out just in a few, few minutes? The kingdom of God has Jesus as its leader. The love of God, the God of love that is, that is in the flesh of Jesus. And so if we can live by his principles, his values, the kinds of things that are spoken about in the Sermon on Mount from Matthew 5 through 7, and if we incorporate that into our behavior as human beings, then we will be living fully into the kingdom of God with Jesus as our leader. Awesome. Thank you uh, for doing that. We'll, we'll have to get back together and speak more about that. I think there's a, there's a whole other podcast there uh, to talk about, and we'll have to do that in the future. But Brother, Brother Doug, I appreciate um, you being a part of uh, this podcast today, and we look forward to your continued work in Argentina on the United Christian Ashram Board and uh, in the future, maybe in planning some uh, Christian ashrams uh, in Hispanic and Latino communities here in the United States. God bless you, and thank you. Thank you.